Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's my favorite show of the week and my favorite tape I have ever seen from this football team. We're putting the crazy win on Sunday under the microscope with the autopsy, looking at the All-22, the numbers from the game. We'll see about the scan of the social. Do I have something or not? We'll find out. We'll go around the web and we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. All of that and much more here from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. We have much, much, much to cover today, so we're going to go ahead and jump right in to the All-22 review. I have a lot of notes here, particularly about the quarterback and the offensive structure. We'll cover those two things together, then get a kind of grab bag notes of offensive line, wide receiver, running back, tight end play, move on to the defense, do the numbers after that, all that fun stuff. We start here with the quarterback and the offense, and it starts with the opening drive, third and seven to Mike Gesicki. And this throw was indicative of how good Tua was on this day. And I mentioned it on the Sunday podcast. I thought he played well despite those two picks in the first half. You know, you cannot have those back-breaking mistakes. But then he obviously came back with the stats on the other end and kind of gave you a, a, a better ability to appreciate his entire body of work in this game. And it starts here on this opening drive where... Patrick Queen followed Tua's eyes all day long, and Tua's eye discipline was great. Not good, great all day long. You see Queen change directions three times on this play, then whoop! There goes the ball right in behind him on the money to Mike. And when Tua separates his hands to throw, again, this is a theme throughout the day, Queen is on the left hash, and Gesicki is just barely inside the right hash. So there's four or five yards of clearance there with a trail defender right on Mike's back. It's a tiny window threaded very beautifully with the requisite anticipation to make that throw. Timing, touch, feel, anticipation. Hallmarks of this quarterback's game. He showed you that in a big way beginning early on the opening drive. Now we have some negatives to discuss as well. Pick number one. It's an anticipation throw before Tyreek comes out of the break back down the stem to the quarterback. There's great pass protection, a theme today as well. Tua drives it, absolutely rips this throw, and you see the trail corner, which is Marlon Humphrey, is in a full sprint to the end line. In fact, I usually pause the tape when Tua separates the hands to see where the defense has moved and kind of how they reacted and what he's seeing. And on that clip, when I freeze-framed it, you see Marlon Humphrey's hands are spread out like a crouching tiger, hidden dragons. He's trying to get depth down the football field. And we later learned that's kind of how you have to defend Tyreek Hill because of that speed. But Marcus Williams just made an awesome play to squat and drive and really arrive at the same time as the football. It's an absolute bang, bang play and a tough one to make. And Coach McDaniel did say on a contested ball that's not really to a tongue of Iloa's fault, he says that he believes Tyreek Hill will say that he should catch that on the first interception. And then Coach talks about the second interception as well, talking about to a pressing, uh, throwing the football down the field with that second pick. But, you know, Marcus Williams makes plays and that bang, bang nature of the first one off the shoulder pad. And then you get what is basically... 
you just get an unfortunate hop off the shoulder pad. Alec Ingold was open underneath, and I just think my only complaint with the play, because this to me was a defender making a really, really good play, and Marcus Williams has three picks in two games as a Raven and got a big free agent contract this offseason because he did stuff like this over in Narlins all the time. My complaint is just forcing the ball there on second medium in scoring range. I just don't think it's necessary, but that's all. That's my biggest complaint about that play. Good play by Marcus Williams. Dan Orlovsky coming back off the the fourth down or fourth and goal stop the Dolphins had in the goal line. He broke down the Jalen Waddle 59-yard catch and run. So go check that out. I retweeted it. But the Cliff's Notes version is 21 personnel. It's two backs, one tight end empty. That means nobody in the backfield along two of five-man protection, five men out in the route, and it's stick nod. Stick is a little hookup route, usually six or seven yards behind, right behind the linebackers. Stick nod is where you put your foot in the ground and take a step back upfield and run the seam for Waddle, a 4-3 receiver running stick nod. Fake the stick, foot in the ground, double move nod back up the field, working off of the quarterback's eyes and manipulation of that hook defender who has two things to be concerned about, Waddle's movement and Tua's eyes. And anytime we're going to get a linebacker on 17, throw him the ball. And you can create that because of this personnel grouping. The Ravens keep their base defense out there. And that's how you wind up with a linebacker on a 4-3 receiver in the slot, the one, or the three rather, in closest to the formation. And again, by the way, really, really, really good pass pro on that play. Stuff that seems innocuous, but is not. The glance route to Trent Sherfield down in the red zone on that first touchdown drive. It's a fake toss play. And to go from that to get your mechanics aligned, get good grip on the football, and then put the ball where he did, man, that's a big-time trait because not only does the flow of the running play get the action to move the way you want it to, the mechanics and the ability to sell that fake and quickly get back aligned from the quarterback that is just as big of a factor in making that play as the design itself. Sorry, the coffee is giving me some hiccups right now. But then put that thing right behind the ear hole of the linebacker once again, right in behind all that action. The Durham Smythe catch before the first Waddle touchdown is another cool wrinkle of personnel groupings this Dolphins offense can go to. 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, and it's double wise. What that means is both your tight ends are attached to the line of scrimmage to the same side of the field, imbalanced wise. Kasicki commands three defenders with a little slant route that he runs, and Durham Smythe is in pass pro for a solid two beats before he comes off that block and leaks into the flat. It's just so much to account for on every single snap. We heard Josh Boyer talking about how you have to spend some sleepless nights here at the facility defending this Ravens offense. The way the Dolphins played in this game, other coaches will say the same thing about this offense because there's so much you have to account for. I did break down the Waddle screen touchdown on the podcast yesterday. Just more formation irregularities. Get the defense flowing on the fake to Tyreek inside on the handoff and throw right in behind it, and you get three great blocks in space. Sherfield, Armstead, and Eichenberg. You see Liam take a jab step inside to sell that run action. Another theme you're going to hear about on this podcast for the next 30, 40 minutes. And you have to make the defense believe in the run action, right? Well, they did, and touchdown Dolphins! We will get to this later on the long touchdown throw, but Tua's subtle pocket movement looked really, really good in this game. The ball to the far hash to Waddle on a hitch route. 
you know, I think he probably should have came back to the ball and, and made the catch because it was broken up as he kind of stood stationary. But he did drive the defensive back a solid three yards in the wrong direction, but he allowed him to get back into the play. But on that play, Tua recognized a little bit of pressure to his right. So he just slides up and lets it run right by him. No panic, stays square and aligned to his target and just rips a strike. But because the cornerback came over the back of the, of the receiver, it's a PBU. I think the biggest miss of the day was late in the first half. Tua gets on his uh, uh, on a roll to the right on a naked bootleg and fires high to Waddle. But Tyreek was also open downfield, and it looks like maybe Tua didn't see him. Now, I thought the throw was too high at first, but it actually was catchable, and it went through Waddle's hands. Waddle had a few drops in this game. He could have had even more, probably 200 yards, if he caught every ball thrown to him that hit him in the hands. And so with that, I, you know, I take it back, actually. The second INT to me, was the biggest miss of the day. I think there was four or five misses I had, maybe three or four misses, but this was the big one. But I just love that Coach mentioned how it was one of the biggest mistakes that Tua had made that he'd seen so far, or of the season, I should say, but him taking the coaching and pressing forward and was only worried about the next play. That is big, big-time stuff there, man, from your quarterback one. But what I saw in terms of like breaking it down on the all 22, here's kind of what the tape showed me. The Ravens had three defenders to the one side of a three by one formation. Three receivers to this side, Waddle, the lone receiver, to the backside. And Marcus Williams never drove. He never opened his hips. He just kept getting depth and kept his eyes on the quarterback. And he allowed two of his eyes and the football to take him right to the spot. That was a miss. I sure liked the swing route to Raheem Mostert to the three side of a three-by-one formation that had Waddle, Chase, and Tyreek all run routes beyond the sticks, which of course backs the defense out and clears them up. And then you get some really nifty running by Raheem and a great job of kind of an on an island from Leon Eichenberg against Calais Campbell to double anchor on that pass rush rep and afford two of the time to get that swing route out to Raheem Mostert. My goodness, the shot from Tua on 2nd and 24 was so, so good. Jalen Waddell holds Patrick Queen's attention for just a beat to open the window. And once again, Tua rips it in right behind his head. Tua throw that, there's probably some paint chips coming off Patrick Queen's helmet because the football kept going right over the top of him, right into Dolphins receiver's hands behind him. And you can this at this point see Tua starting to feel it. There's a 3rd and 10 with a free play because the Ravens are offsides where Waddle pushes up against outside leverage. The cornerback gets depth beyond Waddle and Tua's looking over that way at the off corner with his butt to the sideline getting that depth and just throws it based upon that leverage and that pre-determination. And right when Waddle gets out of the break, there's the ball, move the chains, first down Dolphins. The very next play is one of the coolest designs I've seen from anybody. They jet motion River Craycraft and they pull Liam Eichenberg to the right, and Tua does a reverse pivot to fake the handoff. So at this point, everything looks like a running play to the right, and that gives you downhill flow to the right and the wrong direction, both going downhill and to the wrong side of the formation. It's a big part of that. And Alec Ingold takes a dummy step inside, then wheels back out and runs the wheel route, and you can see Chuck Clark, 36 in purple, follows him inside, and that gives... Ingold the leverage he needs and Tua flips a beautiful ball out there and as he's outflanking Chuck Clark it's an easy easy 14-15 yards up the sideline I think the touchdown throw to Mike Gesicki was maybe the best play of Tua's career and here's why 
They dropped nine on third and goal from the 15. Let me explain to you where the purple jerseys exist on this look when he throws the football. Two are at the goal line between the hash marks. Another two yards deep is a safety at the left hash mark. There's two outside corners at the two and six yard line to the left and an underneath hook defender at the 11 yard line. How many is that? Four or five already? Then there's three more to the right of the formation, bracketing Gasicki and up on top of Tyreek on a square in at the seven-yard line. So you're not going to go there because that's going to just set up another fourth and goal for you. There is literally one spot the football can go to to give you a chance at a touchdown. It's the bottom right corner of the crossbar, and that's exactly where the football goes. I put my handheld timer on this throw three separate times, and I got three times close to each other, giving me an average of 1.34 seconds. That throw traveled in one and a half seconds from the 20-yard line to the end line. That is a shot, boys and girls. And what a freaking catch by Mike Gesicki. That's outstanding. Go ahead and do your 10 times speed gritty you did, man, because you deserved it after that play. And this is why like people pay money to go watch professional football. Impossible circumstances and the very best athletes in the world making big time plays. I am floored at that play. I broke down the third and two slant where Tua throws a pass in a different direction than where his stride was going on Twitter on Monday morning. That's some high, high level stuff, man. A nice wrinkle off a previous look where the uh, t- uh, where Tyreek goes in motion and runs a speed out off that motion. And what a route it was by Tyreek to just step his, to fan that route wide, put a foot in the ground, cross face, and there's the football from Tua on what's basically a no-look pass that gets, you know, if it's a different quarterback, is all over SportsCenter, right? But we'll take it. And man, I thought that third and eight throw to Waddle on the sideline that didn't go complete was pretty damn good too. He puts it high and away on the comeback and Waddle's juggle means he just cannot get the feet to come down inbounds, but really great location against a tough coverage look. The Ravens were squatting at the sticks and so Tua has this kind of trait where he will throw high and away from defenders in those spots and man, he's getting good at it. Just jams that thing in there on time, in rhythm, on location. It looks nice, but we couldn't squeeze that one. He then comes back and drills a really well-schemed-up play to Waddle for 25-plus yards. Then there's a tight window throw where he once again throws with anticipation, expecting his receiver to clear coverage, and he does, and it's Waddle again for 12. And this time, because they're getting sick of seeing this, they actually pulled a backside defender down to come drive on this thing and put a pop on 17. But the ball's out so early with such good anticipation. Jalen's four yards from clearing Patrick Queen in the middle of the field. And so that backside defender can't get there because the ball's out so early. In time, boom, on the money, move the chains. There's a second and six when the game is 35-14 to where Tua gets pressure and hits the top of his drop and sets up and throws to a spot where his mechanics are not going because of the step up out of the pressure, and the ball is right out in front of Waddle, which allows him to turn the corner and beat the defenders to the sideline for another 10 or 12 yards. This is where the accuracy we've been talking about really shows up. The ball is six inches further backwards. Waddle gets tackled right there. It's third down, but nope, it's first and goal because of the location of the football. The Craycraft touchdown, first excellent, excellent job from a wide receiver from a higher learning institution such as Washington State. Craycraft immediately, go Cougs, ditches his route when he sees the quarterback in trouble and sprints, not jog, sprints to the other side of the field to give Tua a target and pay off a terrific scramble where there's pressure. Tua feels it, and he's got no intention of throwing the football to the right. There's no one open over there when he pumps it. 
but the pump allows him to get one step on the rusher and wheel out of danger and throw on the move for a touchdown. What a play. So we talked about the resolve a lot the last couple of days. After Tua does a great job to move the defense and clear a lane for Waddle after he drops that pass that nearly got picked off, what happens in the next play? Tyreek runs behind the entire defense, and my favorite part of this play is the Ravens overload pressure to the left, and Tua very subtly sees it and just moves his drop to the right, just slides shuffles over to the right and gets to a spot that allows him to anticipate where the vacancy in the pocket might be, hitch up to that spot, and drive the ball down the field. And when he lets it go, Tua is at the minus 41. Tyreek's at the plus 28 with the corner right next to him and the safety taking a step forward. That's the wrong way, El Wapo. But five yards behind Tyreek driving up. He's, t- he's trying to jump that crossing route to Waddle. That's the wrong move, my friend. The ball falls right into Tyreek's lap at the two-yard line. Actually, the fourth longest air yards on a completion in the NFL this season for a touchdown. Great, great blitz pickup across the board and pass pro all around. So what is that? 41 is nine yards to midfield down to the two. So that's 48 more yards. 57 yards, something like that, air yards. Great throw, Tua. We'll talk about the effort play to Tyreek that happened next from the Peter King uh, Football Morning in America article. But Tua's got eyes down the middle before he looks back to his left, and Tyreek is already gone. Ball is out, deuces. Not much to break down, just pure speed and a great throw. Then the next drive, the Ravens get two free runners on a potential game-winning blitz for them, and Edmonds knocks one of them out, but Tua stands in there and delivers the football under fire, and the ball is out before Tyreek even bends his route inside. And there it is, right when the ball meets the intersection of the route. 20 more yards after another awesome job by the offensive line to get the most immediate danger inside blocked up to give Tua just enough time. Very last one here for Tua. The throw to Waddle for the touchdown on, well, the one on first and goal, I should say, was pretty damn good. Tight window, damn near got it. Then they would as Mike Florio told us on Football Night in America, that Waddle told him he kind of created that route up out of thin air because you see the one, Sherfield, the widest receiver, he runs a quick square and right off the snap, and the cornerback jumps it and goes underneath Waddle. So Jalen, looking like he's going to set a pick on the outside corner and maybe go to the flag, he gets some depth and widens Marcus Peters. Then he just puts his foot in the ground, whips back inside at the same time on the pivot that Tua steps up out of pressure and attacks the line of scrimmage with his eyes downfield. Then he throws it high and away from the defense and Waddle makes a terrific contested catch. Dolphins win. So really, I think there was about three or four plays he'd like to have back and then nine or 10 big boy, big time, big time players and big time games and big time throws. Whew, what a tape that was. Great, great job one. That's the best single Dolphins game tape I've ever watched. Now I haven't watched any Marinos all 22 but that was the best one I've seen in the last you know, 12 years of doing this. So keep it going, one. We covered a lot of them, but here are some extra Penguin and Cheetah notes. The acceleration coming out of that move on the long 59-yard catch and run is rare, rare start-stop speed. It's why Waddle's so special. And how about the freaking block by Alec Engel? 30 yards downfield in that play. What a play. We've mentioned this before. By the way... Tyreek stresses every single route. There's a play I mentioned earlier, second 24. He just pushes up at full speed until he can't anymore, and it makes it incredibly hard to drive on any route where he's coming back to the quarterback. And with the way Tua's reading, anticipating right now, you just can't defend that. The way he angled back to Tua on the last drive, on that little square end where he caught it and run like 50 yards across the field laterally, 
That prevented any possibility of the DB jump in the route. He's so polished in his routes. So is Waddle. Great stuff from these guys. Let's break down the Chase Edmonds 28-yard run and then get to the rest of the notes. It's jet motion and split flow action, which is two guys running lateral to the line of scrimmage to displace second-level defenders, linebackers, right? Rob Hunt immediately turns his guy out. Eichenberg latches onto the double team that he and Connor Williams start with, and Eichenberg takes that man out while Connor can climb up to the second level and wipe out the safety, 36 Chuck Clark. We talked about it all camp long. You give Chase or Raheem a sliver, it's going to be an explosive, and it was here, potentially game-winning type of run there for Chase Edmonds. Craycraft did an awesome job sealing the edge on a motion toss to Raheem Mostert to start the third quarter where he pinned in number 99. Crack toss, good job by the Coug receiver. Then we get a big downfield block from Trent Sherfield, Mike Gasicki, and Connor Williams. So much of that in this game, multiple guys getting big blocks. Uh, Greg Little and Robert Hunt fired out of their stance on the first snap of the game and out leveraged the Ravens' edge to get Raheem seven yards off that right side. And Big Rob later in the game led a five-yard Raheem Mostert run with a pulling lead and wham, takes out the second-level linebacker. Dolphins guards Rob Hunt and Liam Eikenberg got so many good blocks in as pulling guards in this game. Let's talk about Alec Ingold. He's going to get a lot of play here on this podcast. He gets a pancake on the second play on that screen where he's in the slot and goes and gets the safety coming from depth. Tyreek got a block there too. Literally two plays later, he flanks Tua in the backfield, and here comes Mostert in orbit motion, which is where they kind of run behind the quarterback on that motion, like a little reverse pass, and that turns Alec into the lead blocker, and he goes and gets himself a pancake again. Back-to-back plays on that first drive the waddle catch and run then out in space on a Tyreek screen just knocking heads man what a game for number 30 the first run play of the second half he clears another lane with another pancake on an 11 yard Mostert run he had a great game how about some RPO action still an effective piece of this offense obviously you don't want to be your base but man it's a nice look to go to third play of the game Tua pulls it when the edge crashes hard and throws it right behind the ear hole love to see that And man, we have some fun blocks in the running game. We talked about Ingold pancaking guys in the first drive. There's a play where Tehran's outflanked and still gets wide to turn his man, seal him back inside. And then Eichenberg sends a man to the moon on his block. Connor Williams hits a reach block and turns him. Durham Smythe gets the second level for a nice lead block there. I just had Armstead, Eichenberg, and Connor really killing the running game in the first drive of the game. Multiple reach blocks outflanking guys. We talked about that in the preview. Big offense, big defensive line, athletic offensive line. Miami won with speed on those plays. Gosh, the tackle play was so good in this game. The whole offensive line was good. Everybody hit key blocks in the running game. The pass pro was fantastic all day long. And how about Greg Little coming off the bench, man? He was really, really good. Teron and Connor were both really good again. And I thought Liam was very good. And Rob as well. The entire line played well. Talked about the guards pulling. Man, I love the way Rob plays, you know, two guys in separate places and pass pro where he has hands on one guy to help, but he's got eyes scanning elsewhere, trying to find out where else he can help when his man backs out. He helps his neighbor in pass pro, but keeps those eyes active to find that next guy. And I love seeing how this group feels out rush games, gets their landmarks and then goes and finds work if they don't have any. I don't want to break down every single play, but man, the running game had some lanes, and I think there's still more to be had there. A couple of plays opened up some big creases, and a defender just barely gets there to chop down our back. All right, that's a very long first segment. (laughs) We're almost full time here. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back and get to the defensive film and all the numbers. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
picking it back up for the film review on the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball. And man, whew, Lamar Jackson was really dang good. They had answers for our bags of tricks, starting with that cat blitz to open the game where he just sees it and throws a now route to the vacated space. Did that a few times in this game. And there was plenty of rush contain where we weren't really necessarily sending our guys with a penetration-themed attack, a real emphasis on staying engaged and keeping your eyes on Lamar. And he did what he had to do to beat that, stayed in the pocket, went through his progressions, let things develop. It's a tough, tough cover uh, for more than three seconds in this league, and he was patient enough to let that happen. He's a tough guy to defend, man. If we get where we want to go in January, you probably see him again. This team is winning the North, no doubt in my mind. They used a lot of the same principles that our offense went with with regards to pre-snap motion, lateral movement to attract the eyes of the defenders and using that speed out of the backside. This game is a great example of how effective speed can be so tough to deal with for a defense in the NFL in 2022. Let's break down that goal line stand. First and two, it's a heavy wishbone. Everybody's inside, including all 11 defenders from Miami. Ogba throws the tight end right into the back's track. Wilkins stands it up. Baker cuts it down off the edge, and E-Rob helps get Surge from the back of the pile. Second one, heavy wishbone 11 again. 11 defenders in the box. Wilkins splits the guard and center with the first step off the snap. Sealer splits the other side and gets through. Those two guys, man, they are such good players. Third and one, now it's heavy gun with one split back. The fullback motions from his nasty split to the play side to lead that Lamar Jackson power run. This time, there's not penetration, but Sam McGuavin comes across the formation and whacks Lamar just in time to get him down. Then fourth and one, fumbled snap. But honestly, I chalk it up to winning those three straight plays. You're going to go to your best short yardage plays in that spot, right, for Baltimore. You sniff out all three of them. Suddenly, they're like, you better try something different here. And then you rush your primary shotgun quarterback up under center and it causes an exchange issue. Great stuff from the Miami defense on that one. Back to the Ravens design. The long Bateman touchdown was pretty good for them. The stick route to the boundary pulls Javon Holland down and creates that foot race for Rashad Bateman. Plus there was late motion where X had a chance to had to change from Duvernay to Bateman. And they did that jet sweep and snapped the ball like within one second. So you see X condensed down inside. Then he has to flip his hips back to the outside to play that inside leverage. And I won't say it was easy for Bateman to get that access, but the design of the play really helped him out. Greg Roman's a top OC, right? You see why in this game. Then there were plays where coverage was good. Rush looked like it might impact Lamar, and he just got out of it. Like that 20-yard run in the first half, Phillips flies by with what looked like it could have been a potential big QB hit, but Morgan Moses gets a late chip and sends him wide, and that was all it took for Lamar to get the edge. He was just so dang good. That seam shot to Mark Andrews after the run was a great quarterback play. Then the next drive, he drills one to Isaiah Likely, reading the concept so very well. I talked about Wilkins and Sealer, their ability to hold the point from all techniques, all positions, the two, the four, the three, the two eye, the four eye. So, so impressive. You just don't see them get rolled out or washed out or really moved at all ever. Alandon Roberts gets a handful of reps just perfectly right every week where he flies between the B gaps and either blows up the ball carrier or sends the blocker right into the ball carrier's lap and that winds up disrupting the running back's track. He's a good fit behind some of those bear fronts when they do dial up that Christian Raekwon sealer front. He did get taken on the Lamar touchdown run, though. That was him overplaying one gap. Uh, Raekwon rode the way for a run stuff from that nose tackle position on the left guard, and he dives over the block for the tackle. I thought that play was indicative of all the physical skill sets that he offers with the length, the power, the quickness, and athletic ability. Let's go over some individual notes. Right, I have another note on the Lamar touchdown run, but I just told you what happened there. 
and just overplayed it by a gap. Emmanuel Ogba absorbs and shakes a tough block from Moses to, de- to detach for a run stuff. Jerome Baker had a nice play on Lamar Jackson in space on zone read where he was all alone and got the quarterback to the ground. Melvin Ingram had some impactful rushes that really forced a couple of hurried throws. Cater Kohu made a really nice tackle on a swing screen to get on the outside shoulder of his block and stick his face in the fan for the tackle. And then Eric Rowe's coverage on the third down completion short of the sticks to Andrews was fantastic. Jammed him, ran under that back hip and made the play for the immediate tackle. Then Lamar's touchdown run, we talked about that. Uh, why is it in there twice? We had guys get caught in space a couple times in coverage, like Brandon Jones did a couple times. But again, the offensive plan, calls, and execution just kind of did that. We praised Tua for it. Lamar moved guys and threw in behind those well-constructed concepts to space to clear out by the initial route, that second route to get space. I want to give uh, Phillips a shout-out for his hustle on a toss play to Kenyon Drake in the fourth quarter. First down on the fourth down stop, uh, stop drive. He comes from Washington, D.C. all the way over to Baltimore to string that thing out. And Melvin Ingram allowed him to do so by beating a block and forcing Lamar to bubble as well. The strength of Sealer on that third down play, man. Lamar has the first down, but he just grabs him and throws him backwards. And more good hustle by the rest of the guys. Phillips, Wilkins, Holland, Riley all get in there and pull him back short of the sticks. He moves the chains there. It's going to be game over. Then one last one here, the fourth down stop. Sealer, once again, short yardage, beats a block, causes a pileup. Roberts knifes in and puts a pulling guard on his butt. And you can see that's where Lamar Jackson's feet got tangled and prevented him from kind of diving forward for any fall forward whatsoever. Then Duke Riley smacks the back who serves as the puller. And Trey Flowers, welcome to Miami. He got knocked back right at the point of attack. Big time, big time stuff there. All right, how about some numbers from this game? From the Dolphins side of things, some stats for Tua on the season, 739 uh, total yards, 35 first downs, seven touchdowns, also a fourth quarter comeback. He's second in QBR at 85.7. That's just 0.9 points off the pace of Josh Allen heading into Monday Night Football tonight. We'll update that on the Wednesday podcast. His 116.5 passer rating is fourth best in football. How about Tua on third down this year? 17 of 21 on the money down for 226 yards, four touchdowns, and 12 first downs. His passer rating is 151.1 on third downs. You sprinkle in the lone fourth down attempt he has this year, 18 for 22, 268 yards, five touchdowns, a 157 rating. Pretty good. Uh, Tyreek Hill is leading the league with receiving yards at 284. Waddle is second at 240. They have the most combined touchdowns of any two receivers with five. Waddle's three are tied for the most in the NFL. Tyreek Hill has 11.4 yards per target, and Waddle has 10 yards per target. That's sixth and 15th among receivers with at least 10 targets. Among receivers with 10 catches, Waddle is first in yak. Tyreek is fourth, 7.6 per catch and 6.1 for Tyreek per catch. How about PFF numbers? Under pressure, two of five of nine, 72 yards, one touchdown against the Blitz. 10 for 13, 132 and a touchdown with an average depth of target of 7.8 yards. How about 20 plus yard throws? Four of five, 155, three touchdowns, one pick. That's a 118.4 rating and 10 plus yard throws. 13 of 18, 315 yards, four touchdowns, two picks, a 114.35 rating. A couple of cool nuggets with the courtesy of hat tip to CK Parrot on Twitter. Tua, following an interception the last two years, 30 for 46, 425 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, a 135.2 rating. And then fourth quarter ranks, dating back to 1994, all quarterbacks. Tua ranks first in touchdown percentage, completion percentage, first down percentage. He's fourth in passer rating, fourth in sack avoidance percentage, and fifth all-time in net yards per play. 
How about the yards per target and yards per route ran from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? 14.6 yards per target for Tyreek Hill, 4.75 yards per route ran. You want to be over eight and two in these categories, by the way. Uh, 10.7 A dot. Waddle was nine yards per target, 4.07 yards per route ran, and 10.2 yards uh, average depth of target. Rack in the game. Waddle had 87. Cheetah had 61. Mostert had 33. Jalen's first in the NFL was 7.6 yards of yak yards among all receivers with at least 10 catches. Tyreek is fifth at 6.1. How about some non-Cheetah Penguin skill guys combining for 192 yards and two touchdowns? And how about that efficiency? Gasicki, four. Mostert, three. Ingold, two. Sherfield, two. All of them caught all those targets. Tua was 11 for 11 with 93 yards thrown to those players. How about the running backs in this game averaging six yards per carry between uh, Mostert and Edmonds if you remove both Tua and Ingold sneaks? Mostert forced five missed tackles as a ball carrier. He averaged 2.45 yards after contact, and Edmonds averaged 2.8. Both had one 10-plus yard run. On the offensive line, 2.73 yards or seconds time to throw for Tua on the season. That's two full tenths better of a second than last year. The Dolphins allowed nine pressures on 53 dropbacks, just one sack. That was the only QB hit the entire day. Armstead, two pressures. Eichenberg, two pressures. Connor Williams, two pressures. Hunt and Little, one apiece. Zero hits attributed to the offensive line. The sack went to Durham Smythe on that split flow action where he missed the block. By the way, the Ravens had 32 pressures and 11 quarterback hits last week. PFF says we averaged 9.7 yards running the ball behind Robert Hunt and Connor Williams, 6.3 yards behind Teron Armstead, and 5 yards uh, behind the right guard by himself. On defense, two pressures for Sealer, Phillips, and Ingram, one for Davis, Jones, Baker, and Ogba. Wilkins had five run stops. Sealer, Jones, and Egwavon had two apiece. Six guys had one. All right. Short and sweet there on defense. We have a little bit of left to get to here, including snap counts, scanning the social, and Coach McDaniel's Monday news conference. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Told you guys it's going to be a longer podcast today with all we had to get to breaking down all those plays. Let's go ahead and get to the snap counts here real quick uh, in the game on Sunday and just kind of give you some thoughts on those snap counts. On the offense, the offensive line went wire to wire, as did your quarterback. That's obviously exceptionally ideal. 71 snaps for all of those guys. Jalen Waddle led the way for all receivers with 57 snaps. Tyreek Hill played 54. Then you had Sherfield 25, Wilson 22, Craycraft 16 at tight end. Mike Gasicki leads the way with 44 snaps. Durham Smythe 35. And Tanner Connor played one at fullback. Alec Ingold played 26. And then among the running backs, Mostert 39, Edmonds 36. So a good timeshare there <clears throat> among the running backs. And Gasicki gets back into the tight end lead as far as snap counts go. And then obviously you see your two top receivers there getting the bulk of the workload and the rest of the guys kind of rounding out the group there. Although Wilson did leave the game with an injury, which by the way, in Coach McDaniel's press conference, he did say that Imaging came back without any breaks on Cedric Wilson's ribs, but he is pretty sore because that's what happens on a rib injury. He'll be day-to-day. On defense, we had two players go wire-to-wire, Javon Holland and Jerome Baker. Xavier Howard's out there for 52 of the 59 snaps. And then how about Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins? These guys are so well-conditioned. 46 snaps for Sealer, 45 for Wilkins, 45 for Jalen Phillips. We also had 40 from Alandon Roberts. Brandon Jones played 38 snaps. Emmanuel Ogba, 36. Eric Rowe, 35. Raekwon Davis and Melvin Ingram both played 32. Duke Riley, 31. 
You get the idea here. Like a lot of guys played a lot of snaps. Nick Needham, 26. Cater Kohu, 25. The Dolphins did go with Kohu uh, starting the second half over Nick Needham. Coach addressed that in his press conference. We'll play two answers from his press conference on this podcast. You can find the rest up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as the YouTube channel. Rounding out the group, Keon Crossan had 20. John Jenkins, 14. Trey Flowers, 8. And Sam Egwavon, 7. Man, total team effort there. Tons of guys playing tons of snaps in this game. So scanning the social this week, I don't have much because what could I possibly have a gripe with? Everyone taking notice. Reminds me of a verse from one of my favorite little Dickie tracks. Next play, wide open three, like whew, wet. The yard taking notice. I take a charge, but they don't even notice. Don't leave him open. His jumper is potent. Everyone kind of on the same page there today. Around the web, so Peter King wrote a great story on the football morning in America talking about the effort play. The long touchdown pass from Tua to Tyreek Hill on 3rd and 10 about how that play was installed and just kind of the whole process of putting that thing together. Go check it out. Football Morning in America. I'm not going to read the whole thing here because we're already getting very long, but check it out. Peter King, Football Morning in America. A very, very long blurb on your Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and finish up here with two quotes from head coach Mike McDaniel. First, I asked him about the non-animal-themed nickname players and the skill sets. You like that verbiage there? Uh, about them putting up 192 yards and two touchdowns and how valuable that is as an offense. We'll play that first, and then we'll finish after that with Coach talking about Tua Tungavailoa's performance and what that can do for their relationship, the confidence Coach feels in him, the confidence the coaching staff and players feel in Tua Tungavailoa. Here's Coach on those two answers. Hmm. I mean, unbeknownst to you, I've named every player an animal. Um... No, it's it's crucial, you know, that um, part of uh, a good offense is utilizing all five eligibles on the field um, and defenses uh, are too good in the National Football League that if you're a one or two trick pony, eventually they can um, dictate the terms and and uh, render you a lot less effective. So um, each and every game. Uh, you're, you're trying to distribute the ball to your playmakers, and we have a lot of them. Sometimes um, the given uh, circumstances or the defensive presentations dictate um, people get um, more one game than they will the next. Um, I've uh, alluded before to the fact that, uh, you know, the, um, from a statistical standpoint, the best offense that – um, I was ever a part of was the 2016 Atlanta Falcons. And um, I think that game that uh, Julio had 300 yards receiving against the Panthers, the game before he had one catch for 16 yards. So um, you have to be able to take advantage of matchups or defenses if the opportunity is given, but you also have to be able to distribute the ball so guys can't overkey on one or two individuals. And the blurb on Tua. Um, I think it, I think it, uh, I think it allows him. Um, it it kind of makes it tangible what um, his teammates, myself, the coaching staff have been seeing. Um, uh, you know, this whole off season. Um, so it makes the the, you know, the evolution of, you know, the things that have. Uh, I mean, he he was he took such a step in the right direction yesterday, and through a through an interception that he was absolutely disgusted with himself, 
And in that game, to take the coaching and still press forward with – it was probably his biggest mistake that he's had all his season. So, that like, that makes it that much more real and what it can do for him if he's just worried about playing the next play and not, not pressing or not being overly hard on himself. So I think the messaging for that and for him his personal growth is, is huge. But um, I also think um, it's, it's awesome for a player to feel – he he knows that he did some really real good things. I think deep down he wouldn't ever say it, but I think um, you'd have to be kind of delusional not to start and be like, hey, six touchdowns is pretty good, right? Um, but I think there's also something to the fact that none of his teammates were surprised, which is uh, much more impactful than words. You, you can feel that when guys are like, they're not like, whoa, dude, where'd that come from? You know, like, um, so I think, I think that's great for him. He, he deserves it. Um, none of it was given at all. He, he earned every ounce of that, um, which I, I know players respect a great deal. Um, so I think that benefits everybody, um, uh, players and coaches included. All right, there we go. Fun, long podcast here on Drive Time. We'll come back with you guys tomorrow and do a deep dive on what? I'm not sure yet, but I will figure it out in the meantime. Also, in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast, Rick Spielman today. You don't want to miss that one. Very good stuff, including some behind the scenes and the Jamar Fletcher draft selection over Drew Brees. I know me and many Dolphins fans have waiting 20 years to hear that. You can hear it on the Fish Tank podcast. Also, the Wednesday Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday, 8 o'clock with me, Seth, and Juice. Check out our YouTube channel for all the media availabilities. We had Melvin Ingram, Mike Gasicki, Christian Wilkins. I think there was one more on Monday. Check out the YouTube channel for that, as well as Dolphins Today, some drive time and fish tank content. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy coming home.